Let's just continue to give the Lord thanks for the confidence that we have in Christ Jesus. That indeed, it's not our own doing. What we are enjoying is the grace that God has manifested in the Son. Lord, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, um, can we open our Bibles quickly to the book of Psalms again? We read it last time. Psalm number 40. Psalm number 40. And it would be nice if all of us could read this together. <laughs> and then we are going to read from verse um, 1 to verse 10. Psalm number 40. Let's read from verse 1 to verse 10. Are you there? One to let's go. I waited patiently for the Lord and inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the merry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many we see and hear fear. And we trust in the Lord. Verse 4. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust, and has not turned to the proud, nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders which you have done, and your thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with you. If I will declare and speak of them, they will be too numerous to count. Verse 6. You have not desired, my ears you have opened. Bond offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Nine, I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not refrain my lips, O God, you know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. Amen. Amen. I want to stop reading then. There are still some more verses, but um, I just wanted to read, us to read a few of these in, so we can get verse 6 in context. It says, Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. If you read that in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 10, it tells you that a body you have prepared for me, all right, amplifies a body you have prepared for me to offer. He said, burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Now, why did we start reading this last time? We want to just emphasize again on how we are supposed to pray as believers. This is our school of prayer. I keep on saying that, as if you don't know. You do know, all right? The focus is always on prayer. But my emphasis, again, is that it's not just, well, it's not a prayer meeting. Is that what it is? No, answer me now. Is this a prayer meeting? You're not sure? Okay, it is not a prayer meeting, all right? It is what? It's cool. That is, the aim is to teach us how to pray um, um, on a regular basis, just like we heard a few minutes ago, Pastor Kimote was teaching us that when we are praying, we have to be careful 
all right, not to pray based on self-confidence and not to pray with ourselves as the object, focusing on ourselves, praying to ourselves, all right? That's one thing. It's important because people do that a lot. The prince said the most powerful people on the earth are not the big politicians, not um, Joe Biden, not President Buhari, <laughs> definitely not Vladimir Putin. I hope you're getting my point. <laughs> and not the billionaires. He said no. All right? Presidents are very powerful. Billionaires are very powerful. He said, but the most powerful people on the earth are those who know how to get their prayers answered. Yes. So those are the most powerful people on the earth. Those who know how to get their prayers answered. The reason is simple. Because they can bring the power of God into every, any situation. I hope you're getting my point. That's it. So that way, they are bringing the power of God. And of course, if the power of God is with you, let's leave it like that. Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> you have the, so, you know, it's important we know how to pray properly and pray effectively because prayers that receive answers are very, very powerful. Okay? So we should spend our energy learning how to do it effectively. We should spend our energy on that. Many times, the reason why we don't receive answers to prayers is simply because we are not praying according to the order that God has set in place for us. For example, we pray with confidence. Maybe after you've given an offering, you now want to go and pray. That's a very faulty prayer. Did you hear what I said? I'm not sure you heard me. You want to pray, say, let me go and give an offering first. That prayer will not be answered. Many people don't know that, too. I will say something that many people don't like, even though you've heard me say it before. If you sow a seed before you ask God for something, you're less likely to get it. If God gives it to you, it's just a pity you. That let me not allow this fellow to kill himself. You say, so I shouldn't sow a seed before I ask the Lord for something. Yes, that was what I said, and I mean it exactly like that. You say, but that's what everybody else says. So I don't know. Do I look like everybody else? Everybody else can say what they are saying, but I tell you what they are saying is not right. If they say anything opposite to what I have said, it is not correct. You know why? When you sow a seed before you ask God for something, your confidence is in your works. You, listen, there's no, there's no need hiding, trying to make it seem nice. That is a fact. Your confidence is in that thing you did. You can't help it. That's why you did it anyway. Is that not so? That's why you did now. That's why you first went and said, God, see, wait, before I pray, I'm coming. Plant a seed. You know what I'm saying? And I said, Lord, now having planted that seed, you will now, Mm-mm-mm-mm. please let me just say this again. Lest we give people offense or they misunderstand what we are saying. I have never said doing good works is not important for Christians. It just must be what? A habit. It just must be your habit. You give whether you need or you don't need. I hope you get my point. When you have abundance, you give. When you have little and you find the opportunity to give again, you give. Do you get my point? That's it. Giving is a good thing. Something happened this afternoon. I won't give you the details. But at the end of the day, I prayed. I said, God, please give me opportunities to be a blessing. Not just opportunity to be a blessing, but the willingness and the ability. Because sometimes the opportunity may come, you miss it. At that point in time, somebody annoys you. One day, one man came to beg me for money. And I almost, if I was allowed, I would have given him a knock on the head. Do you know why? 
I was rushing to come and preach in Kingdom where our farmers are. And parking, you know where we used to be? I don't know how many of you remember. Parking there was hard. I was looking for where to park. I was running late. Okay? I, would, I just had a few minutes to get upstairs trying to park. I was still try- so the guy came near. I thought he wanted to show me direction. Park like this, park like this. He said, okay, I beg. I never. Do you know? <laughs> Only for him to start begging. The way I shouted on him, my wife was waiting for me outside. My wife said, I want him. I was about to approach it. Don't go near that man. He's under attention. <laughs> now what I'm trying to say is that so, so I have to pray to God that such opportunities, in case it was important, let me not because of my own anger, my own pressure, my own state of mind, miss it. Don't ever forget that. It's important you are a constant giver. But don't give because you want to ask God for something. It is wrong. I will say it the way it is. It is absolutely out of order. You can't go and count money, go and put an offering basket because you want to ask God for something. Just look, you'll be looking at it like, is this boy okay? Is this girl all right? It's absolute, I know it is preached all the time. I will say the truth about it. You don't plant your seed before you make a request in prayer. That's not Christianity. I don't care the testimonies you have heard. It is not Christianity. What are you supposed to do? Just ask in the name of Jesus. This is the confidence we have, to, we, we have towards him. That if we ask anything, how? According to his will, he hears us. That's what John said. How do we ask? He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, what will he do? He will give to you. That's all. He never said whatever you sow a seed for. He was, the Bible says, you know, uh, how does it say again? Give and it shall be given unto you. I said, one thing we are sure of, that's not a prayer. Is it a prayer? No, is it not clear? Give and it shall be given unto you. Is that prayer? It's a principle. Which is why I say, give what? Continually. Make giving a constant part of your life. Let me drop this one for believers again. When you have given, forget it. I've heard preachers say that whatever they give, they write it down, waiting for the, um, the manifestation. Please, let me say it the way it is. That is absolutely wrong. I'm saying it clearly, certainly, that it is wrong. I am not equivocating about it at all. There is nothing like under certain circumstances. No! If you give, forget it. I heard a man preaching once. He said, I don't know about you. Me, when I give, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not at ease until I see the fruit. Until it begins to bring in harvest. So maybe I'm not as righteous as you are. I'm not as holy as you are. In my mind, yes, sir. You are not as righteous <laughs> as the rest of us might be. Let's not try and sound humble. How can you give and you're not at rest until it produces? You are not a giver, you're an investor. Buy, go and buy Bitcoin. Do you get my point? It's not, that's not giving. Go to the stock market. Go and put your money. If you cannot sleep after you have given. A man was preaching once where I was. He said, Look, this, he gave an offering. Maybe assuming now, that's just as an illustration. Kingdom was raising money for. Maybe want to buy a satellite to broadcast. So he was the one preaching. He said, hmm, I've given my own 10 million towards it. I just saw your pastor. Pastor Banky here, just giving 10 million for that project. Amen. And next time I come around, I'm going to give you the testimony about that. Any testimony that's beyond the fact that the satellite has been bought is a lie. 
Amam Yota. Why are they laughing? Is that yes? Uh, they are laughing. They go, you, don't, you don't know that, man. I understand. <laughs> Listen to me, people of God. Any testimony beyond the fact that that satellite were raising money for the other time, do you know it has been bought? It's a lie. If it's that when I gave that 10 million that day, I said, God, you will build me a house. And I come back next time and say, the Lord has built the house. I lied to you. Say, Pastor Banky, are you saying that it's not possible for God to have built the man a house? It's not because of that 10 million. I can assure you. But after all, you had the 10 million to give. Who said where the money was coming from will stop coming just because you gave? How are you trying to deceive us? Many of those things are just engineered stories to make the rest of you give. And I think Christians should give. Is it, please, my message is not given today. I want to continue what I was saying last time. Don't emphasize why we have a school of prayer. All right? Giving must be the habit of a believer. Do you follow my point? Those stories, one, they are not necessary. They should not be necessary. Maybe that's a better way to put it. And one way which can ensure they are not necessary as believers, let's just make giving a habit. And then when you hear of genuine needs, do you forget my point? Don't run to your own panel houses while the house of God lies in ruins. Do you get my point? Let's be responsible. Let all of us be responsible as believers. Okay? Now, I'm not focusing on that now. I just want to emphasize the fact that you don't sow a seed before you ask God for something. It doesn't work. It's not the truth that it does not work. You will hear a few stories that tell you it works. But you see, only testimony of it works will you hear. If 1,000 of us, all right, if 1,000 of us do that stuff, okay, if one person has a testimony, it's the one that will give the mic. Of the 999 that didn't get anything, will I give their mics? But if it was a scientific publication, it will fail. That selection bias. Abi? Dr. Chooks. Is that not how it is? The bias is too serious. But it's fraud. Yeah. So let's take what God has told us. Let's not build doctrines on testimonies. Let's make it a habit. Those stories should not be necessary in our lives. How do we pray? We were talking about it earlier. We ask in the name of Jesus, our righteousness is based on what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. It is not based upon our own works. That's why I went into that. If you give, give and leave it there. Find it satisfying that you were able to give. Okay, you know, I told you I didn't want to tell you what happened. That, I, that made me pray that prayer. You know, there was somebody I did something for, all right? It was a, such a small thing. To me, incredibly small. It's not even noticeable. It's the kind of thing I would do. I wouldn't get home and tell my wife about it. It's not worthy of mention, really. Except that this afternoon, the man brought his wife and his son to come and say thank you. Ah. Like, what? So is that serious? I don't know whether you're getting what I'm saying. I didn't think it was any, See, for me, there was some money involved. It, it, didn't, it, wasn't, it was nothing. So after I greeted and everything and they left, I entered my office, closed my door, and I said, Lord, ha, please, oh, this opportunity, next time, don't let it pass me by. That was my prayer. That's why I prayed that prayer. I just said, uh-huh. so it's such a small thing. Can impact somebody this much? I said, in that case, if you can do 10 of that in a month, it's not a big deal. Even if it's only five, 
Let's just not miss the opportunities because sometimes you will miss such things because iniquity is abounding. People tell lies. People do all kinds of things. You understand? So your heart becomes a bit hard. That's why I pray that prayer. I saw one video the other day. I laughed. You know this very common, maybe not much in any way. You see young girls carrying babies, begging inside traffic. One guy decided to film them. There were no babies there that thing. No babies. Oh, you've seen the video? And the girls were laughing. This was in Lagos. The guy brought out his phone and said, come, you know. And they were laughing. You see them dressed up like Northern Muslims, you know, that kind of thing. And they were going from one car to the other. Two girls carrying their babies and begging for money. All of them get come closer. And even the girls burst into laughter. They burst into laughter. It was just cloth wrapped, you know, with baby, what, that's, what, that you put on the head? Eh? Is it head warmer? Anyway, that, um, that Father Christmas thing that baby put on her head, that kind of thing, yes. <laughs> they had it there, wrapped the baby, and there was no baby. So next time, you know, you see somebody really carrying a baby that's really in need. You almost throw a human baby away. Come out, get out of my way. I think it was cloth you wanted to push away. That's what the Bible meant. One of the things that is implied by because iniquity will abound. The love of many will wax cold. Because people have become so, you know, like wicked. Become so iniquitous. Next time you see somebody in need, you are not moved. Of course, I don't have to bore you, bore you with stories. You've seen such stories. Do you know what I found out recently? One day I was driving near um, Opera Square. And I saw a little boy who was selling water. You know, pure water. For those who don't know what's pure water. Water in small bags. Sachet water, which is about half a liter each. And his water had, had fallen down. Of course, you know, each bag is like retail, like 20 naira. Or I probably has like 20 in that. For you, it's 400 naira. If you want to fill your tank once, it's 8,000, you know, 10,000. So 400 naira is not much money to you. Really, I felt sorry for him, but the way he was in the traffic, it was difficult. It was at the roundabout, the busy roundabout. It was difficult for me to stop. So only for me to get away just in. He said, ah, that's the new scam in town. That's the new scam. They get their water, just some bags of water, drop it there, break it, and start crying. Knowing that kind people like Chooks will pass. No, no. In fact, who's the kindest guy here? Where is he? John. John. I thought, oh, you know, you know John. You know John. You know John. John's kindness is annoying. John will do some kindness. You want to warn him. Let's just let's leave John first. We'll talk about his own kind of kindness next tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's, it's become that was that day. Was it following the that was this that was telling me that there's a new scam in town. These boys they prey on the kind hearts of people, yeah. bust the bags of water and stand there and be crying. And you know that only in quote poor people do that kind of business because the money is really small. So just be like, oh, okay, Pele, how much water is there? You. You just pay for it, and then the guy laughs. They go to another junction, bust, bust water again, you know. For most of them, one on the ground, they will pick them now, of course. The only one or two did he have to bust. You're not inspector. You're a water inspector. You are not expecting it now. That's one reason why we get hardened. So that's why I had to pray to God. I said, no. The genuine acts of kindness, when you give me the opportunity, please, Lord, don't let it pass me by. Don't let me miss it. 
It's a, look, it's a given how we should have it. I just feel like telling this story. Once I went to market, one of my friends came to Lagos to shop. It was one I wanted to shop, so he came with money. So I, but I, he needed me to take him around. As we were sitting down there in the shop trying to get some things, you know, sorting some things out, one woman just came out of the bakery. You know the way it is, agave bread. How many of you have eaten agave bread before? So, you know, it's not bad. It was a big tree on her head, covered with a plastic bag. And she was going there, she tripped. It rained. Then she tripped. The whole place was full of mud. Didn't know what happened. And then the thing came. She managed to catch a huge chunk of it, but the rest just went tumbling into the muddy water. The woman grabbed the hands of a passerby and started crying. She didn't know the person. No. She knew she couldn't afford that loss. My friend just said, Banky, what do you think? I nodded. He paid for all the bread. Money he brought to shop. We just did a quick estimate. So just tapped the guy in the shop. Give the, the guy the money. Give that woman. Somebody just tapped the woman. How much does it take? You know, the woman, you know, from one moment of crying, next moment he saw the money for all the bread in her hand. And, and like my friend just said, like, don't tell her it is us. Like, go, 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 go. You know that kind of attitude. She was looking for her. We just turned our heads away, madam, believe that thing. We just did a quick estimate. How many loaves? My guy just did hand in his pocket. Counted the money. Paid. I just said, like, telling that story for us to know that, you know, things like this. Yes, you know, we should learn to do them. But don't do that. Go to God. Say, Lord, <laughs> were you there? <laughs> Didn't you see that? That was a dangerous sin. <laughs> you know, sometimes we Christians, we have turned this, we turn righteousness, you know, to gain. Godliness has become for us a means of what? Gain. It's not supposed to be. Let's bear that in mind. The Lord is good. Just emphasizing the fact that we have a school of prayer here. We are learning how to pray effectively. Just using that as an, as an example. You don't have to give to God before you ask him for anything. Jesus has already given everything. And you have already given everything, actually, as a believer. Which is what? Your whole life. Your whole life. You have given to him. When you're asking him for something, you're asking on that basis. That you belong to him. And he loves you. Like I say once in a while, anytime I think of my children, God bless me with a number of them. And I see what I do to make them, you know, happy and comfortable without asking them for anything. I know the kind of concern and care. They had to travel a number of them by road over a great distance to call. I called, how are you guys doing? Say fine. So now you are going to pray. Say we have already prayed. I said, I want to pray my own. Is there a problem with that? He said, no, daddy. I said, now listen to me. It's okay, sir. Repeat after me. I give him the scriptures. Pass the phone to your younger ones. Give him the, the, the you know, I give them this. Yeah, put it between the two of you. Oh, yeah. Repeat after me. And every, you know, you keep on calling. Are you guys okay? You know, what am I doing for? Are they giving me anything? So I'm concerned, one of the greatest things God gave to us on this earth is that concept called love. No wonder John said God is what? Love. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know what I do. The heart I have. For them to be comfortable, to be fulfilled, to be happy. So I said to myself years ago, if God loves me half, not as much now, only half as much as I love my children, I don't know why I'm, why, I'm, why I'm worried. In fact, it's an insult for me to be worried. If a person said it like this, anybody that's worried is insulting God. That you are saying that he has more concern for the best of the air than he has for his children. 
have a dog in the house. I'm not taking, if my children are not food, that dog is not eating anything. <laughs> I'm telling you, the dog ain't going to get nothing. If those kids are not full, the dog should be praying for me that the children will be full. <laughs> it was possible to pray. Because I'm not going to give the children's bread to any dog. Don't care how expensive you are. I hope you're getting my point. So it's, it's annoying, therefore, to God for you to think he cares more about the birds of the air and the grass of the field more than he cares for his own children. That's how the person puts it, and I believe it. So occasionally if some things come up in my heart and want to worry me, I remind myself of that. Banker, are you saying God doesn't love you or doesn't care about you? If the answer is no, uh-uh. then relax. You're not supposed to worry. You're not supposed to worry. I remember one day, one brother who was supposed to pay rent, Kingdom World, some years ago. And the rent came to about, about 200,000 quite a while ago, all right? Quite a while ago. Kingdom World didn't have the money. Neither did I have it personally. Because if I did, it would not have any problem. But it didn't have, the ministry did not have, and the money was due. So I remember that day very well. So I was praying. I remember that I was climbing the steps in my house. It's going upstairs. And then on the first landing, a thought dropped in my mind. I said, Bank, if tomorrow God sends this money, how you feel for being worried? That's how the thought came. I felt very, very, I said I would feel very bad. So in that case, stop worrying so that when God supplies, you won't have to apologize. Do you get my point? So I said, okay. There and there, I said, Lord, I'm sorry for worrying, so let's not push it in later. I apologized and I relaxed. The next day, one brother sent the ministry 800,000 naira. Did you hear what I said? Now, I'm not sure whether it's the next day that he sent the money, but the next day I, I knew about it. If you know how relieved I was, I didn't worry. By the time I was thinking of that, he was already calculating how to transfer the money. So we're talking about how we pray effectively as believers. How does God expect us to pray? So one of the things we should remind us, last time we began to look at, what talk did we give you last time? Can I remember? I know what we're talking about, but I can't remember the exact talk. But let's just continue teaching. So we read this from this portion of Psalm 40. To emphasize what he said in verse 6. And in verse 7 especially, it says, Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Bond offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. So what is, you will notice how he controlled himself here. He said, Then I said. Then I said. Everybody say that. Then I said. Say it again. One more time. Then I said. Now notice that. He said, then I said. The emphasis here, we are talking about prayer, is that he said. The emphasis is not that he knew alone, but that what he said. What you say is important in controlling what you do. Did you hear what I said? What you say is important in controlling what you do. Very, very important. When we are praying, let me, please let me go back and explain something again. I was saying earlier, when we worry, we are saying that God is not concerned about our issues. 
I want to remind us again of something that Jesus Christ said. He said, there are things that the Gentiles seek. There are things that the Gentiles seek. That is, what did they seek? That is, now please, can I just say this? He was talking about prayer. In that context, Jesus was talking about prayer. He wasn't just talking about going to work every day, laboring for the food that perishes. People do that. But in that context, he was talking about prayer. That when Gentiles come to pray, what do they pray about? What do they seek in prayer? Let's go over them. What will they eat? What will drink? And what will wear? Now, those things stand for the material concerns of life. What they will drink, what they will, what they will eat, what they will drink, and how they will clothe themselves. It includes how they will buy a car, which how they will build a house, how will I acquire, how do I secure a future that is financial, what they call it, you know, freedom for my future, so I can retire young and retire rich, you know, the way this saying goes, you know. He said that is the focus of their prayer. Now, which kind of people? Gentiles. Gentiles. Now, let me ask you a question. <laughs> is that really, is only Gentiles that do that these days? If you go to a typical Christian prayer service, go and check it. It's generally focused on what we eat, what we drink, and how we will clothe ourselves. The same thing. This seed that we plant, this so-called seed that we sow, go and check it. That's usually the focus also. I've, now, I've heard it a few times. I'm not saying nobody has ever done it. But I've hardly heard somebody say, testify that I sowed this seed towards the completeness of the, the completion of this project. They can give towards it. I'm not saying they don't. But that the seed is for that is rare. Most of the time, they give towards doing something. But it's a seed for what I will eat what I will drink, and how I will buy more land. Small digression. Do you know you can actually, literally, plant that money as a seed in the right way? Like I said earlier, that the real testimony, if that man that said, okay, I gave, no, I just used a satellite. No church was buying satellites. Just as an example, right? So that I won't be talking about anybody. Okay? But let us assume the satellite we're buying, or even a building we're building. If the widow comes with her two mites, and when Jesus tells you something like, that woman has given more than the others because she gave all she had to live on. Now, one, of course, that was talking about proportion. Two was talking about faith. But I wanted to understand something. He was also talking about the effect it will have on, that, on, on the maintenance of that um, temple. It will, it will, listen, he was also talking about the effect it will have in the maintenance of that temple. Because when you give, you are not only giving money, you are giving a spirit. Do you get my point? I belong to a vibrant, you know, alumni fellowship, okay? Sometimes, I've, over the years, first before I joined, all right, now the early days of my becoming a member, leaving school, then along the line I became the president, then I've been an school member for, <laughs> right now, for more than 12 to 15 years, all right? Before I, just, I was just there, a member, then I, became, I was president for like eight years, and then I've, I'm still there as ex-official member for some four years now. Now, where I'm going is this. Many times I've had suggestions on how to fund the fellowship. Many times I've had suggestions on how to fund the campus fellowship. Many of the suggestions will include things like you can invest our money here, and they also make it, do you get my point? And one thing I 
is that from the beginning, I vehemently opposed that thing. I always did. You say, what's the reason? I say, it's a fellowship. It's not money we need. It's a spirit we need. That each time people are giving money, they are pouring a spirit inside. That give us all the money, the fellowship will not survive. But if people bring their one naira, ten naira, one thousand naira, five thousand naira, all right, ten million naira, whatever it is, once it is coming, each time it is coming, it's not money they are bringing. You know what they are bringing? A spirit. A spirit that is saying, God, keep this fellowship. A spirit that is saying, God, sustain this fellowship. A spirit that is saying, God, supply all our needs according to your riches in glory in Christ Jesus. It's not just money. It's not just money. As they are giving, they are pouring of their spirit into the place. So when Jesus said that this woman has given more than all, yes, it physically was small cash. So we seem to focus on the fact that, uh, yes, proportionally from her own end, she has given more. No. That giving from that woman will impart that temple more than those who are given abundance. Now, the funny part is those who are given abundance will not realize it. Though. Assuming the whole, let's use modern Naira, okay? Maybe the whole temple needed 100 million. And one man gave 50 million. And that person gave 10 million. Then everybody else gathers and gives a balance. And that woman's might comes to today's 40 Naira. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you know what they will think? The pastor will rise and acknowledge the man who gave 40 million. Will thank God because of people like this. Do you understand my point? Yes. But what he will not know, okay, is that the reason why God, because there is none good but God, the reason why God propelled those who brought the tens of millions was because he recognized the faith of the woman that brought only 49. So he used the faith of the woman with 49. To slap some people around. <laughs> say, my friend, I gave you last, last month. How much did I give you? Say, 400 million, sir. Oh, yeah? Go and tie to that place. That one will come. <laughs> Draw 40 million. He say, you. All these blessings have blessed you. Have you ever given anything to us this temple? The person comes, bring 10. God is responding to the faith of the woman that brought 49. That's how it works. That's actually how it works. People don't understand it. So that is why, you see, when people give, they're not just giving cash. They are pouring a spirit. They are pouring a spirit into that place. So that's why those who will be having discussions, I say, brethren, when they come up with business ideas, I always object. I always, look, if it's voting, I vote against it. Somebody will suggest it, maybe I'll be president. I say, I have heard. But that thing is not going beyond that day. I'm not, I'm not even going to carry it. I say, it's a fellowship. It's a fellowship. The people must bring their spirit into it. That is what is sustaining it. I hope you're getting my point here. Now, let's just continue. So, we go to, you know, every time, we, we, we keep praying. You know, I, I said that's a small digression. Even Christians focus on what God says should not be their focus. We don't trust God enough. We don't trust him enough. When he says, these things the Gentiles seek, let's believe him. That's what the Gentiles are supposed to seek. Which means, if we believers gather in prayer, what will we eat, what we will drink, with what we shall we clothe ourselves, must never be the focus. Do you ever pray about such things? Yes, but this is how I put it. They are dismissal prayers. That this is on my mind. God, can I just remove it from my mind and cast it over to you? Do you get my point? It's not something we sit down there and say, Ha, are you see, have you finished praying now? Now we are going to say, Lord, everything I need. Oh, Lord, 
That's how we get to pray. The next five minutes we're on that. Say, oh, we have not finished praying. This demon of scarcity will not catch us. Oh, yeah, now we're going to bring out a special seed and say, Lord, I bring the back of poverty. God said, You have started worshiping idols. That's the truth. That's it. You are now praying like Gentiles. Should we pray about that? He said, Lord, I have issues coming up. It's body, because I, I do that. Sometimes there are different things that will just be on your heart. There are times on the road, literally, I will park and say, Lord, please, let me get this off my mind. I just take a few minutes, talk to the Lord about it. The idea is that, Lord, I want to push it over. You carry it. It's weighing me down. You want to give me high blood pressure for nothing. Lord, I better raise your blood pressure. Leave me out of this thing. Do you follow? <laughs> of course, you know what I'm doing. He can't have high blood pressure. He can't handle anything. I'm sure, I'm sure the Lord laughs sometimes when I pray. Yeah, I'm sure he will just laugh because the way, the way I do it, the Lord, I beg, beg, beg. I can't handle this kind of pressure. Please, just take it, take it, take it. Literally, there are times I have packed to do such things. I do. But when something weighs me down like that, it might work for you too, but it works for me a lot. I, just, I won't say anything. I just go and sleep. I sleep very early. So I enter my house, I go and sleep. You know why? Now, what I want to say now, I'm not saying it's true for everybody, but it works for me. My most effective prayers, they tend to be said around 2 a.m., between 2 and 4. Seriously. Why? That is when the gates of heaven, they are open. No, that's a joke. That's not why. That's not why. It's just that I first let it. So it's like when I wake up at such times. Now, the prayer is not, not going to last two hours, I can assure you. Hardly last more than 15 minutes. Hardly. Hardly last more than 15 minutes. Because everywhere is calm and my mind is calm. Then I speak very lucidly to the Lord. Sometimes when I see people shout, eh? I just feel like you don't have problems yet. I don't know. That's just where I reason. Somebody's praying, ah, ah, I said, well, you don't have problems though. This shout, you don't have any problem. Because when I do, I can't shout. I can even hardly stand. I do not two things. I either kneel beside the bed or I sit down. Say, Lord, this is not time for shouting. We will speak the tongues at the end. Right now, I have to speak with my understanding because I understand the problem. (laughs) I have personal testimony. eh? I can share that with you. That the peace of God that passes all understanding is the first thing I get. 100% of the times. By the time I'm done, I go back to sleep. And I sleep well. What typically happens to me is that by the time I wake up next day, the problem starts looking less problematic. Maybe the problem had five points before. You wake up next day and realize that, oh, two of those five points are not really problems. It's now down to three. The three look like God can actually solve these three issues. Over the next few days and weeks, they go away. That's my testimony. This is what God has helped me with over years. So sit on a on matter and make it a... Look, if it comes back, you dismiss it again. Know what Paul said? Be careful for nothing. But with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let what? Your request be made known unto God. So if you are not going to worry, just pass it over to the Lord. He said, the peace of God that passes all understanding... Why are you not disturbed? I don't know. That's the meaning. What happens is that a lot of times we don't settle down to just give. It's literal handing over. Package the problem. 
Lord, please, I have something for you. I have a special gift for you. What is it? Write all the... Pro- <laughs> I did one the, the other day. I think I was driving again. I paused. I brought out my phone. I have this small notepad that's just on my screen. Once I tap it, you don't need to click save. Just write that. You save it automatically. So I just wrote, things to hand over to the Lord. I wrote about four or five points. Then I left it. Do you know, I forgot. You know, I was supposed to pray about them. This is the testimony again. God took that typing as prayer. Yeah, I believe he did. You know why? Because I forgot. Next time I opened the phone, I saw the notes. I tapped, oh, this thing is here. One was gone. Two was gone. I think it remained only one. So I like, God, you don't want to go. You don't want to go. That kind of thing. <laughs> what I remember is I didn't even remember to pray about them. I just picked up the phone and wrote one, two, three, four. There were four or five things. I said things to hand over to the Lord. And I believe that he took that typing as prayer because I did not remember to pray the prayer. But the things started disappearing one by one. Solutions started coming to them one after the other. People of God, God answers prayers. He answers prayers. Now, what I was supposed to focus on is what we are talking about. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Do you know one thing that only Christians, I have never seen a non-Christian pray about this. Only Christians pray about it. I've never seen a Muslim pray about it. Never seen a Hindu pray about it. Well, I don't know any Hindus. Idol worshippers, even confused Christians, they don't pray about this. For somebody to come and kneel down and say, God, make me walk in your plan for my life. And it's a prayer point. You've seen a Hindu pray that prayer. That I know God has a plan, has an assignment for me. I just want to do what God made me to do. I remember those days when I first knew my wife. She was just going for NYC. So one day I asked her, where were you posted? She told me. So we had a small conversation on it. She now ended with, I just want to be where God wants me to be. I never forgot that statement. Because I've met many ladies, many sisters, who you post them to somewhere. Hey, they are making phone calls. They're talking, they are fretting. I remember I just talked to my wife that day on the phone. So I just want to be where God wants me to be. Do you know, only Christian. Now, many people say that out of resignation. The will of God. But to consciously desire that, no, there are ten choices. There is one that God preordained for me to walk in. They will not go on our knees to pray, say, God, please let me not miss it. Only Christians do I know pray like that. One of the things that marks idol worship is that the idol is there to service, to serve our purposes, serve our needs. The idol is more like a computer that we press. Put, if we can get the right keys, we print the right document. I hope you're getting my point. That is how prayer is generally worldwide for every religion. Generally, it's about solving my problems. That's generally what prayer is. If you read the article I wrote some time ago, titled, He's Not Like Other Gods, that's one thing I emphasized. That this God actually has a will. That is why sometimes you can ask him for something and he says, no, I'm not giving you. Have you heard this teaching of faith before that God never says no? Now, at the point in time, I tried to believe it. Even when I was trying to believe it, 
I don't think I ever believed it because it did not make any sense. How can an intelligent father never say no? How is that possible? How is that possible? Why are we treating him like a computer? If my faith is big enough, he'll do anything for me. No, it doesn't work like that. It's fundamental to faith that I should know when he's saying no. One of the signs of maturity is to know when the Lord is saying no. I don't agree. I want to know something. He does say that once in a while. Now, while Christians didn't like to, faith preachers didn't like to say that, is that they felt that if somebody comes to God for healing and he doesn't get it immediately, the person will run away with the fact that God has said no. I don't know whether I get my point. They, they, they are afraid that if you come with a need in your life, a lack in your life, and God doesn't supply it immediately, you will, you know, you will run away with the idea that he has said no. Yes, I know that risk is there, and it can be addressed. We can address it. I don't want to teach about it now. Okay? However, we cannot, for that reason, say he never says no. Because he does. And what's my logic? Because the word for him is father. Our father who art in heaven. Which father never says no? Father said no simply because some of the things you're asking for, you don't even understand them. And you don't know whether they are good for you or they are not good for you. Sometimes it's important to God that this is your season in life. You don't have too much money. Let me tell you something about too much money. Too much money is a problem. I know poor people don't like to say it's true. (laughs) Because they think that by saying it's true, they will never have money. Okay, let me say it is true for you. It is true. Money has a voice. Money can wake you up in the morning. God wants you to go to Nineveh. Money will say, hey, yeah, on the way to Tarshish, go. You think Jonah will have gone to Tarshish if he couldn't pay for the boat? Why do you think the Bible emphasized that he, after paying the fare? <laughs> no, go and read it. The Bible emphasized the fact that he paid the fare. No, go and read it. He went to Joppa. That's where the, the boat was, to go and enter boat going to Tarshish. And the Bible emphasized that after paying the fare, what does that tell you? Money sent him on disobedient errand. If it was flat broke, he would have gone to Nineveh. You don't know that? What do you go do now? God will have, will have seen a free ride. It's difficult to disobey God. <laughs> when you can't pay for the boat to Tarshish. Money has a mind. It will tell you to buy things you don't need. You finish buying it, you'll not be looking for use for it. I was a relative once. We saw a shop in Lagos. And he said, wow, this shop is strategically located. Me said, I looked, I said, eh, wow. Anything you put here will be selling like this. Before they had called the the agent tap, 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 paid two years' rent. They locked the shop until the two years' rent expired. <laughs> the shop was not opened one day. Not, that is, not one moment to say, okay, what is inside? What is it? No. They paid, collected the keys, and locked the place. And kept on thinking. We are going to sell. That anything you put in that place, we sell. To be selling like hot cake. Just be selling. Just be selling. 
First month, it was just selling. <laughs> Second month, it was still selling. That's how 24 months passed. And the rent expired on that shop. If they saved, no, no, I don't, I don't think they saved any money because I think maybe towards the end, I remember. No, no, they save any money. I'm thinking whether they did, did not give it out to somebody else a few months, but that was it. And I raised it and said, if you didn't have that money, you, you just look and say, wow, nice shop, and you keep driving. <laughs> you know how many cars you have seen? You just say, nice car, and you keep going. You just see one, one nice jacket like this. Wow, this is nice. Louis Vuitton, my God, and you keep driving. If you had the money, you would stop and price it. And they agree, you go and hang it in the wardrobe. Six months later, they say, ah, wait, who gets this jacket? It's you. It's money that I told you to buy it. Money sends people on errand. You no, know, a lot of people tell me, say, ah, they don't jackpot, jackpot. I say, you have money to jackpot. Poor people don't jack nothing. It's true. So that's why sometimes God will look at you in this stage of life, say, you're asking for money. Say, oh, well, if I give it to you, you will stay here. And I want you to stay here. You will pray in the name of Jesus. Jesus will say, Amen. I'm not giving you. <laughs> because if I give you, you'll be having ideas. You'll be having ideas. The ability to make wise decisions. Ha. It will be removed from you. You have to go through a process. You know, I, there's an illustration I tell. <laughs> I use once in a while. Those early days when we started ministry. There's somebody else who was starting radio and uh, television at the same time. As we were doing. And we used to interact a lot. So one day, of course, we bought cameras. Forgot exactly how we bought our cameras that time. I think our cameras was about, I um, can't remember for sure, maybe $1,000 for one. can't remember. Bought two. <laughs> this other person bought powerful cameras. Then one day I traveled. By the time I came back, no, was it, where is Israel? I think it was Israel and I. Yes, Israel and I went to Kenyatta. Went, you know, we manufactured our lights. We bought some lights, halogen bulbs, arranged them, put filter on them. We kept on using ideas. Each light was 6,000. At the time, we bought about five. We spent like 30K. The other person bought one, what is it called? I think it's called them red headlights or something like that. One was 180,000 naira. Our own was how much? 6,000 naira for one. Their own was 180K. And that's because they went to Dubai to buy it. They had the money to go to Dubai. We just went to Kenyatta, <laughs> arranged it, put it on the stage, started videoing. Next, we went to NTA, went on satellite TV. Years later, we were still on TV. That other studio lasted, I think, a year and closed. I traveled one weekend. By the time I came back, I spent like three million naira. All the money kingdom that I spent from the beginning to the end at that point in time, what is three million? Where would I see three million? Except that. Few years down the line, they were totally gone. We we're still there. We kept on improving. Bought better cameras. Went, went from one TV station to another one. Went on satellite TV. Finally, now we stream on YouTube and all of. But we kept, we never stopped one day. Sometimes God needs to take you through those stages in life in which you learn to be resourceful. Ah, we, oh, which <laughs> one day I was talking to. Okay, I went to. Okay, let me not tell you. I went to my friend's church, big church. So he told me that he had quarreled with his people, the technical department. He told all of them that, all of you listen to Pastor Banky, don't you? They said yes. He said, I've been to Enugu. He doesn't have anything. <laughs> that is so, how can I have all of these things and I don't have recording half as good as his own? He said, all of you better go and pray and find out what you need to do. 
is emphasis that, look, I have been to Enugu. Pastor Banky doesn't have anything. Yet you guys listen, don't you listen to the messages they say they do. Can you see how clear the messages are? So that day I arrived. I didn't even tell him. I just went to the technical office. I said, please, can I talk to you guys? I look at the equipment. I said, please, I've listened to yours because I've tried to get some messages from there. And I didn't like the sound. I said, okay, guys, come, come, let's talk about this. So that's when he walked in. He said, this, your visit, is an answer to prayer. He said, I was about to sack everybody. <laughs> when we see some things with you sometimes, see, it's, it's wisdom. Do you get my point? It's wisdom. What have we not tried? I would listen to some people's recording. How? How do they manage? Everywhere I go. At the end of the day, I'm not teaching now on technical issues. We sat down. Literally, if you see the equipment we use, literally, they are inexpensive. We never had a power amp until we moved to this place. People did not know. Never had a power amp. No. We used to use what they call amp mixer. That single box. Yes. Amp mixer. That's what we're using. But to have a power amp, well, some of us bought a power amp for the first time. In fact, the first day our amp gave issues, we wanted to borrow power amp from Pastor Murphy. We were confused how to connect it. I don't know whether Israel remembers. We, went, we brought power amp, we put it there, the other side. We didn't know where to join it. People did not know. We never had. Never did. Because our focus was on something. And, that, the record, and we, God gave that one to us. We, de- we de- detected all kinds of methods. The day we found a particular software we used to filter our noise, before they told me that they sell noise gates, and you see, the, you see the price of these noise gates, noise modulator, uh, click counselor, they have all kinds of things that they, they when you see those people, you look. One day one pastor got to church, after he had spent tens of millions to upgrade his musical equipment, the sound system. He got to church, he picked the mic, Praise the Lord. After I preached a few minutes, he dropped the mic out of anger, entered his car, and drove away from church, abandoned service. Because he has spent millions. See, now when you see millions, now you go spend them. <laughs> if you don't see them, you know go feel spend them. I didn't see it, so there was none to spend. We were so ingenious. Oh, we couldn't buy, buy noise, gate, noise gate and noise this, noise that. I asked questions on this. Somebody showed me, look, this software will remove all your noise. And the software happens to be free for download. <laughs> and the day we finally found the software was the day we were recording in my house. Because we came to the, my house because of quietness. We didn't use the speakers. Make a long story short. We left one of the mic channels on, which was pouring noise into the whole recording. Because we're not using the speaker, we didn't hear it. We're just recording directly from the amp to the, um, to the re- 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 recorder. So we just hear loud hiss throughout. What happened? The other mic channels were raised high. So we're just mixing noise with our recording. We had to investigate what to do. It was God. By the time we find, found out how to pull out the noise, our lives changed. So that's why sometimes when it's raining like this heavily here, that kind of thing, don't bother. Go and check it. You hardly hear the raining. By the time, we, by the time you get the recording, we'll pull out the noise. We've spent, sent some spirits into the recording. They just remove the noise. At no special cost. That's why sometimes God doesn't answer you as quickly as you want him to answer. He needs you to learn how to think. Money reduces your ability to think. Whether you say amen or not is a fact. When you have a lot of money, you think less. 
Sometimes they spend it for we think later. I've, seen, I've been under some circumstances. I told somebody, one of my aunties, I wanted to buy something for me once. Choose one. So I was thinking, do I have one there? He said, please, I'm in a hurry. Take the two. Take the two. I'm in a hurry. What? Take the two. When you get home, you will decide the one you like. I'm, t- I'm telling you. Just say, take both of them. Take both of them. Take both of them. I was trying to choose that this one, good, this one, I prefer this color, you know, this, you know, that kind of thing. I was tossing up and down. Say, oh, I'm in a hurry. Don't waste my time. Okay, take both of them, take both of them. Just count them money. Paid. Let's go. I said, now, wow. (laughs) More money, less thinking. Do you get what I'm saying? And sometimes God wants you to think. He wants you to discover some things. So that's why you ask for more money a lot of times. He doesn't give it. And when he's not giving, he says, go and think. Go and think. There are times you think you need a millionaire to do what? What you need is 5,000 and I give you 10. What did you say? You need 5,000 and I've given you 10. Then you will sit down and discover how 5,000 can solve 10 million problems. If you have too much money, you know we'll get sense of. I mean, I'm talking about the, at, the, at, at certain times. You have to wait till sense has been sense has entered your head. They will now start. God cannot give you money that way. You will not waste it because you see, if you have a sense of a millionaire and they give you one hundred million, all the result you will get at the end of the day will be one millionaire result. You will waste the other ninety nine. There's nothing you can do about it. See, don't say I won't be like that. Don't worry. You are like Peter. Be swearing. I won't deny. I won't deny. You don't worry. At the end, you will deny. That's how it works. It's not, see, it's not. Some people you've never given, they've never been dead. They are okay. They are managing themselves. Then you give them one million. By the end of two months, they are owing 2.5. When there was no money, he wasn't owing anybody. Now you give him one million. Now he's owing 2.5. So if God gave you a hundred million naira and you only have the sense for a million, you will waste 99. There is nothing, oh, they are looking at me like you don't know me. I, you don't know yourself. I know you more than you know you. That's just the way it works. So before God gives you a hundred million, he has to first give you two million error cents. Then he gives you ten million error cents. Then he moves to fifty million error cents. As he's increasing your ability to handle his bringing it. Then the day comes, that hundred million you'll be using to solve a problem of a billion. You can't waste a dime. Waste, waste what? When what you need now is a billion. As it's coming, it's good. That is, when God sends a hundred million, you will get a result of 250 million. Your friends will be like, how did you do that? Is the ingenuity developed when you were spending 10,000? The day God brings you a billion, what others are using 10 to do is what he would do with a one. So that's why it doesn't bring it early. Why do I give you a hundred million as well? I can reduce to one million. So I'll give you 100 million, I'll give you. If you say I'll give you 1 million, I'll give you 10,000. You will learn how to push it to 50. Good. He adds more to it. He doesn't like people to be wasteful. He wants his people to have wisdom. Now, that's an aside. But that's one reason why he has to say no. Nobody should tell that God doesn't say no. He does say no. You have plans and ideas. If I let you follow this one, it will take you out of my will. Some people are there believing for money to go and do a master's program abroad. <laughs> God said, listen, when you finish doing that master's program abroad, then you will come back home. Hmm? 
when you come back home, you will queue behind the fellow who did the master's program in Esut here. Why? Because when you were not around, he was getting promoted. I've seen people break their heads over, I want to go abroad to go and do something. God said, when you finish, maybe you will come back. I am telling you, you don't need it. But because you are comparing yourself with somebody else, and I say, hey, you don't know why Forex is scarce in this country. God says it's scarce because you don't need it. Did you buy Gary with Forex? No. Relax. David said, look, I don't involve myself in matters too difficult for me. You see people who have never exported or imported anything, and they say, I don't know, Forex is scarce. What did concern you? So it's affecting price in the market. Then pray to God to give you money to buy the things you need to buy. And some person a mere failure for nothing. Look, me in this my life, I try to reduce the number of things I worry my head about. Something happened this afternoon. I said, no, no, God, I don't want to add this into my head. No, 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 I started pushing it away. It was coming to my thoughts. I said, no, I'm not thinking you. If I thought, some thoughts are very stubborn, you know that? You have to be, I'm not thinking you. Leave me. I'm not thinking you at all. If you check, you're not sleeping on time. You are thinking too many things. The less you have to think, the quicker you sleep. You know that? Yes. What am I going to emphasize here? That's why God says no. Sometimes you are not ready. You are looking for money, begging everybody to, co- co- to contribute money for you to go and do a master's abroad. What To do what now? You can't eat well again. Every cupboard you have, you are saving it. And it's only admission fee, uh, acceptance fee you are trying to pay. You never even pay tuition. <laughs> Your own is, okay, when we get there, we'll now work to pay the rest. And you are losing sleep over it. Masters. And somebody lied to you that, you see, once you get a master's degree, then doors will open. The person who said it does not have a master's degree. I know, because if he did, he won't talk that nonsense. One day I saw some men talking on Twitter, praising them. When did this thing say, you know, you spend this money, you acquire this qualification, I just lie. I said, these guys, you spend the money, you are lying to yourself, trying to console yourself. It didn't get you anything. I've seen people spend plenty of money, go abroad, get masters, come and queue up like everybody else. Nobody's employing them. Tell me the truth. I know many companies, they will give you leave to go. Once you come back, they carry the paper, file it. You go back to work where you were before. Because the masters you have that does not translate to experience does not concern them. Prove to us what you can do. So the boys who did not go to read it, who were just doing, they will promote them ahead of you. I'm not saying don't do masters abroad if, you, if, you, if God opens the opportunity, but don't kill yourself over it. If you're praying over school fees to do masters, those are not valid prayer points. Those are stupid prayer points. And to go abroad to do my prayer point, school fees is not a prayer point. In the name of, you now start showing shit towards. <laughs> Sometimes people just wake up in the morning, give themselves problems. I've seen it before. I've seen people like that, just wake up in the morning. The car, nothing wrong with the car. They are driving, is okay. So they think they need to change the color. <laughs> and looking at the person like, that's not the problem. I hope you have the money. See, there are things you will do. It's not a problem, but it shouldn't be a discussion. If I don't like the color of my car, and I go and change it, and to spray it very well and change it with 200 and something thousand, it's not a problem, as long as I don't make it a discussion. 
Now calling your friend, can you lend me some money? Say what? Now I want to change the color of my car. Just know your head is not correct. You don't believe me? I was, you think that head is correct? It's not. It's not. It can't be correct. It cannot be correct. It can't be owing money to so change the color of your car. So we're thinking of using it for wedding. Tie ribbon. Who will see the charge? You can't again. You don't have. You go. Just <laughs> tie ribbon. If you tie ribbon everywhere, they won't see what is under the ribbon. The Lord is good. I will get to my message in a moment, but I think some people need to hear this. Because people many times just wake up in the morning and create, I've seen people create problems. That is, everything is okay, they just create problems. Just create, you know, like, ah, why should I be at peace? Why am I, I've been at peace for some time. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know, this piece is not good. Okay. From now on, I'm not wearing this kind of shoes again. It's this particular type I want to start wearing. Just, start, just looking for what to spend. Just, I've seen it. It sounds funny, but I've seen people do it. Some people will create problems for themselves, and I'll be help, demanding that you help them solve it. I bought this car on higher purchase, you know, and if I don't pay 50000 for the end of this week, they will recover it. They, they are better recover it. There's no point you telling me stories. What are you using the car for? Are you using it to make money? No. So why, are you, why do you buy a car on higher purchase that you have to pay every month this is Nigeria, it's not America. Here we, we ride keke every day until we can pay for the car. Instead of inside, they come and recover car from your hand. And simply, I've seen people like that before. They, they, they put themselves inside a hole. They start calling friends and family to come and deliver them. Let me pray for you if you are like that. May they not deliver you. No, yes, yes, amen. I know you won't say amen, but let me say it for you. Amen in Jesus' name. Because you need to stay in that hole not to do it again. You know you can't pay the bank back. You go and borrow money. Not even bank alone. You know, this, they are this small, small, you know. Let me not call them. Lapo and things like that. People that their interest rates. <laughs> Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Their interest rates. Will give you panic attack. There's one guy, you know. <laughs> the siblings have a lot of money. He went and borrowed one of those, one of those kind of monies. He borrowed. So they told the siblings, ah, your brother, they said, they said, they said, nah, lie. We are not paying. He was running up and down, running away from people who want to recover money. They had me, they said, we will not pay. Why? Because this is what he does all the time. He will not be in distress. We will not be feeling bad. We will not give him the money. Then once he has been at peace for some months, he will go and borrow from those same people again. They said, this time, we are not paying. Let them kill him, it's okay. What am I saying? Don't go and use your hand to look for problems. If God has give you, given you peace of mind, guard it jealously. Guard it jealously. Some of my colleagues today, we, we were together in those days. I like one thing they used to do. One of the first casualty, Jack's his car. Yeah, those days in Lagos. First casualty. You just see him trekking everywhere. From one, ah, oh boy, where your motor? He said there's first casualty. You know his own logic? I can't kill for fuel. So the queues are too long. They may jam my car. So he literally will jack the car, remove the tires. So there's no temptation to fuel it now. That was then. If I was yapping him to do that, you are never ashamed of yourself. Now to let the, go, where God has removed him from, from that time, now I said, you are driving from just Benin to this place. You have to fly to Lagos, then fly to Enugu. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, the road is dangerous. I said, it's not your fault. It was the time you were jacking your car. Do you get my point? It's now you have money. You tell me road is dangerous. Just to drive from here to here. First fly from Benin 
to Lagos, then fly to Enugu. This is a man that used to jack his car because of what? Forest scarcity. But now he has become somebody I'm yapping because he has to fly to Lagos before flying to Enugu. I say, it's not your fault. God returns to the... Well, no, God won't bother. God said, you jack the car at the right time. Now fly anyhow, anywhere you want to go. The Lord is good. Please, I hope I'll help somebody. Because I've not been able to sit on my message. That's why. Because he thinks he's dragging me back. By the time you finish listening to me today, you will have peace of mind. Yes. A lot of troubles in this life are not necessary. Let's get back to what I'm trying to say. So what do we believers spend our prayer energy on? God said to us, take no thought for the morrow. Don't have any anxiety or worry about tomorrow. What you will eat, what you will drink, or with what you will clothe yourselves. He said, what are you supposed to do? He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And those other things will be added to you. And I'm saying to you assuredly, that if you seek the kingdom of God as a matter of priority, first, you seek walking in his righteousness, those other things that other people worry themselves about will be added to you. When Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. He wasn't saying they will be filled with righteousness. He says that he was saying, when they hunger and thirst, pursue righteousness, then natural hunger will be removed from their lives. They will be filled with all the natural things that people are pursuing. That's one thing Christians must believe. Don't worry. I keep on saying it. God will take care of you. Don't worry. The Lord will take care of you. I'll say one more time. Don't worry. The Lord will take care of you. You have energy to pursue something. It says, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're looking at this. Said, then I said, behold, I come. In the volume of the book, or the scroll of the book, it is written of me. He said, I delight to do your will. Now, this is where I'm going. Remember, temptations exist in this life to drag us away from the will of God. I hope you're getting my point. Why are there temptations? The reason why they exist is to pull you and I away from the will of God. That is what they call temptation. See, let me say this quickly. There's temptation to commit sin, you know, steal, sexual immorality, you know, stuff like that. That's a form of temptation, and it's real. But do you know, those are not the ones Christians should worry most about, because they usually are so obvious. I hope you're getting my point. They usually are quite obvious. And generally, we, you won't have support from me now, hmm? as a married man, to go and have another woman. Do, do you get my point? You, won't, you hardly, only, there are a few crazy people in this world that might support you. But really, they are not Christians. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So even on that one alone, you know what to do. You know how to pray. The one that even your father will support you. Your mother will support you. Your friends will support you. Usually has to do with the purpose of God for your life. When it's time to walk away from it, you have support. Oh, you have support. If your name is Jesus and you say, I'm not going to the cross, people will support you. Why should you go to the cross? Do you know how painful it is? If you remain alive now, you can keep on teaching righteousness. You can heal more people. You can heal them. You can help them. 
Staying alive is better. Yeah, but for this course, I came to this hour. You will talk to the father about it now. Say, Father, let this call pass me over because it's crucial. I have discovered that your plan is inferior to my own plan. I have more sense now. When I was coming initially to come and die for the whole world, I thought they just needed a sacrificial lamb, but now I've seen the state of Israel. They need a shepherd. So when they say, let us betray, they say, Judas, if you betray me, thunder fire you there. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. You will have support. That's the point I'm making. People will support you. That's what makes it dangerous. Your closest friends will support you. Such a thing will not happen to you, Peter will tell you. Peter will tell you that. You'll be there preaching. Your mother will come and say to you, or they will tell your mother and your brothers are outside waiting for you. They came to take you out of ministry. That is the dangerous one. Let me remind us again. We don't obey God by our energy, by our own strength, by our own determination. It's not possible. The more determined you are, the more you are likely to fail. How do I know? Peter. Peter said, "Mm -mm, I will not deny you. The Bible says, so said all the disciples. But you know what happened? All of them ran away. All of them ran away. Why? You don't serve the Lord with your own energy. In fact, can I quickly say this? For many people who have failed after they determined and swore, they vowed to serve God. I have good news for you. God was very happy that you failed. See, sir? Ah, he said it's good. Because quickly we brought flesh to an end. I will call you back into ministry now. You will not depend on your own strength. See, sometimes what you call failure, God says an opportunity for me. That is him, God. Now I can have my will in this fellow's life. All these good and righteous people. I can't do anything. They know what to do. But when they fail, do you care what I'm trying to say? Then they will turn around and say, God, help me. Without your help, I can't do what is right. Because this is exactly the kind of person I need. It's important to bear that in mind. If you have ever failed, don't feel too bad. Feel bad small, but start rejoicing. You felt bad up to now, right? From now on, forget the bad feeling. Start rejoicing. Because self-confidence is dead. You know one thing my friend said, Pastor Courage? I used it to yap him every time. You know when we meet at ministers' meetings? I used it to preach. So when he first started the church, when he, went to, he used to say those when he was Timbini as a young man. He said, if you start a church and within one year you're not to a hundred in number, either you're not called or you're lazy. Did you hear what I said? So you start a church and within a year you're not taught to one hundred in number. Either you're not called or you're lazy. Then he started a church. After one year, I think there was nobody apart from himself. And he was called and he was not lazy. <laughs> either he was one... I don't only him or one person pitied him one day and said, Pastor, let me join your church. The first member volunteered. I said, this man, and he was praying, and he was fasting, and he was preaching, he was doing everything. There was no, nobody joined the church. Nobody. Nobody. So finally he made up his mind. He said, God, I, I think that 
Maybe you didn't send me, I sent myself. So now give the Lord two tests. No, a test. That I just want two of my friends to call me and tell me to come back home and I will go. And I think he got the two calls, not to tell him to come back home, to encourage him, to send him money. No, they just encouraged him to continue the work. He said, God, in that case, it looks like you sent me. Now, what I'm going to say, at the end of that first year, self-confidence is what? Died. So, it doesn't preach that nonsense anymore. Are you happy with it all the time? <laughs> he said to himself, he was going to give a testimony. He used to say, after one year, you're just not to a hundred people. Either you are not called or you are lazy. And God said, no problem. Let's see whether you are called <laughs> or whether you are lazy. At the, first, at the end of that first year, I know how to do it, died. Sometimes when I see people who teach as if, listen, we know how to do it. I was able to preach somewhere, I think it's this weekend. Yes. How to start a teaching ministry. Well, I'm not supposed to do this. I just give you what I want to preach ahead. But I told myself, I'm not going to do that. Go and tell people how to start a teaching ministry. You know why? I don't know how to. I had not told my friends who invited me. My first line, please, I was told to come and talk to ministers on how to start a teaching ministry. I want to let you know I don't know how to. What are you here to tell us? I just tell you the story of our lives. We did not know how to. We're just doing it. And as opportunities will come, we'll do some things. So we'll now tell you the ones. And let me assure you, your own will not go like that. Let's just hope that by the time I finish telling you my, our story, you will have drunk of his spirit. As of the how-to. Don't even wait for me to give you ten steps to effective teaching ministry. Point number one. Write it down. <laughs> if I do that, I will confuse you. I will mislead you. What I'll just do is tell the story of what I did. Because there are many things I found out along the line. I won't talk about them now. I made up my mind, this is what we're going to do. (laughs) Okay, did I tell you what happened? If I let me tell you one small one, just by the way. This one that will have regular meetings, I never planned it. I didn't. Oh, you think I did? No, it wasn't planned though. Did I ever tell you it was not planned? It wasn't planned. What happened was that I took money, went and rented the hall, and did a three-day program. I don't know who sent me. You are starting the program for the first time. I did three days. You said, you know, get sense. Three days. And I just started. I'm talking to myself now. First day, friends and brethren came to encourage me. Once they came and they have satisfied, if I wish, we have encouraged you now. Then they left. On the third day, there were three people there. A lot of crowd, right? Yes. Me, I was one of those three people. My wife was another one. And when we started, it was only the two of us. You know, I'm a very funny human. When I said five o'clock, I meant five o'clock. Five o'clock, I started preaching to my wife alone. A friend of mine came, so I prayed to him and my wife. And that was the program was over. I remember the number of hundreds of flyers I printed. After that, I stopped printing flyers. There's no point. <laughs> flyers don't invite anybody. I shared fly in the Ogbete market. You may not believe it. <laughs> there are things I don't do now. You think I've never done them before. Ogbete market, I shared flyer. Ogbete market. You don't believe it now. When you look at me, you say, Pastor Mark, you did that. I did. Why don't you do it anymore? It doesn't work. 
as if we print flyers, like, you're just giving printers money. It's good. Let everybody else eat. <laughs> because uh, does it work? It doesn't work. There you go. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. After that first day, after that first program, I sat down and did calculation. I checked the number of people that were reached. I said, at this rate, you guys will be flat broke before you bless two people in this city. It was simple calculation that made us start meeting regularly once a week. I calculated the cost of renting a small hall, buying some chairs. I found out that by the time I pay a hotel twice, I paid the whole year to rent a hall of our own. That's why we rented. I didn't want to start using my money to be paying um, guest houses and hotels to use their hall. Small, small, you know, usually we choose small halls. It was, I calculated, I said, no, let's go and rent somewhere. Now I rent the hotel, uh, rented the first place there. Partition, they made an office, made a small hall. We kept on breaking the partition of them because we were filling the place as time was going on. It was the only reason we started meeting every week. It was cost. It was calculation. You know, divide the X. If you multiply the cost per program, I did the calculation. I found it was cheaper. So the first program I did after that, we used that building up there. Then after some time, I realized that we were paying for seven days a week. 52 weeks a year. I said, and you are teaching only once. So I said, let's just use the place. We added another day. So I doing school of Bible exegesis. And the Holy Spirit now led me directly, I remember very clearly, to change, to start teaching on prayer specifically. During that one, the second one during the week. Now, so if you want to say how, I, it would be like I, I didn't know. My plan was to be organizing programs, you know, because I used to go for breakthrough seminars in Lagos. So maybe every month or every quarter, I realized nobody was planning to come and it was expensive. That was how we converted it to regular meeting once a week on Saturdays. And that was since the year 2003. 20 years next year. He himself does not know how. If anybody wants to pretend to you he knows how to do this, they are lying to you. I hope you are getting my point. Self-confidence. So if you try to do something you failed before, it doesn't mean God didn't call you. It just means that the confidence with which you started it was in the flesh. Go back home, go and pray again. Allow God to open doors for you while you step into doors. You may have done five businesses that did not work. doesn't mean you are not called to do business. It just means you have been chasing every business that makes money. And you know God doesn't like that. If every business that makes money, you open one. Yeah, you, see now. Yeah, you are confused. You are not blessed. There are businesses you will do they will look like they are not making money, but God needs you to do it. Business is about servicing people. He said that service must not shut down. Some people, they are manufacturing something small. Somebody, I have somebody in mind. He was making shoes and all of that. Not abandoned shoe making. To go and be selling nylon bag inside Goslo. Yeah, he was making more money selling put it in bag. His friends said, no, Ghana must go bags. Now, yes, maybe he needed money, but I felt like, oh boy, are you not even desirous of producing something? This is your life. That's one of the places I don't understand. I'm talking to somebody now. So it's not one of the reasons why business people don't do well as believers is that they put their hand into every business that makes money. And just that's how unbelievers behave. It's not everything that makes money that's your assignment in life that you should be involved in. There are things you will see it makes money. Say, in fact, just say, it's not my own. Say, if I join, my name is Jonah. You know, I, you know, I, have, some, I have different anointings in my life, you know. Can you name some for me? Amos, thank you. Which other one? 
Jeremiah, thank you. I have, thank you very much. See, I also have this Jonah anointing. If I enter a boat that's not my own, all of us are going down. So if I want to join you in a boat, just ask, Pastor, please, we are going to Tashish. This is not the road to Nineveh. <laughs> to a friend of mine that told me, that ah, this is making money, it's making money. He said, Banky. I looked at him. Now, once you come and meet me and tell me something is making money, I've lost interest. It has worked for me like that for a very long time. I've not been sent to go and pursue money. So he came and said, this thing is making money. I said, bro, don't bother. He said, Banky, I'm telling you. He said, look, you see, I just, my sister told me about it. I put $5,000. Now my money is $20-something thousand dollars. An average person will be excited, right? You don't know this guy. If you know me. I just looked at him. I said, bro, my name is Juna. So your 5000 has turned to 20000 He said, yes. I said, if I join you, that your 20000 is going away. Do you want me to still join? I said, just leave me alone. He said, okay, I don't tell you. I said, I don't hear you. He said, this one is from America. I said, Bernard Madoff is also from America. So leave that thing. He said, you see your money on a graph. Till now, his money is still on that graph. <laughs> the money is still on that graph. Rising. Rising. <laughs> you are the man who plotted the graph, has gone to prison. The other one is missing. They don't know whether she's dead or alive. After $4 billion disappeared. Sometimes you tell people, say, please, I'm not joining your business. My name is Jonah. If I join you, two of us are going down. It's very important. Listen, let me just say this to believers. Listen, allow God to open your own doors for you. You will know. You, you, when the time comes, you will know. Now, the problem is that we're always looking for fast doors. Always looking for fast doors. No. Those fast doors, you see, it is not every 30-something-year-old that's going to become a billionaire like Mark Zuckerberg. And it's not even something to aim to in life. Being a billionaire is no big deal. Everything you produce in life has its own value. What I want to say will shock some people because they don't know that kind of truth. Do you know? I'm not joking about it. If God gave me the opportunity to start a company that will be worth a billion, worth $10 billion, and 90% of the money will be my own, and I say, so, or write the books we are writing, just choose one of the two. I'll tell them I don't want the money. I'm not kidding. It's not, look, no, it's not righteous. They say, hey, Pastor Banky, are you serious? Sorry, it's not a big deal. Oh, you think Ade Kodangote is better than me? He doesn't. Men like Kodangote will eat about the same level. Because he also soaks Gary. With, today I heard of new one. One guy said, he said, Oga, have you tried Gary with Opa in the morning? I said, eh. So let me go and try it. That's how rich men reason. Are you getting my point? <laughs> Just to make you laugh. He was eating. He was eating, you know, one kind of rice with all kinds of garnishes and um, chicken. One big piece of chicken. So they just served him. So I was not talking about something that led to it. I said, this is me. I saw Gary with Granoto. You know, we somewhere. So he said, do you put milk? I said, I do. I said, sugar? I said, lots of sugar. You had milk? I said, I do. He puts the rice away. Say, why are you talking about this now? <laughs> he said, oh. He said, you are making me salivate. Now, this is a man who had a plate of rice, well garnished with all kinds of colors, yellow, red, and green things all over the place, and a fat piece of chicken. He puts it back. He looked at me and said, why are you doing this now? 
that you are making me salivate. Like, I've lost interest in this rice. I want my gari with groundnut. So, <laughs> you think because you're a billionaire, you'll stop eating things like that? What am I going to say? That's the reason why it's not a big deal for me. Yesterday, I went somewhere. I saw two cars parked as I was joking my guys who were there. Went for a small meeting in a hotel you know, room there. That is like in their restaurant. So when we came out, I said, I tapped one guy. I said, what is that? He looked. He said, I said, that's a Rolls Royce. He said, yes, he looked. He said, parked right beside. I said, that one is a Bentley. He said, hey, that's a Bentley. I said, yes, it's a Bentley. So we're looking at both of them parked beside each other. And I told him, I said, do you know if I want one, I can ask the Lord for it. And when I was not explaining to you, I said, me, I don't worry myself in this life. I said, I don't worry myself. I said, you see this guy, you see, if I want one, I said, mark my words. The reason why I don't have is I don't want. I said, if I want one, I will ask the Lord for it. I said, give me a maximum of five years. You'll see me driving around town. I said, it's not a big deal. In case you don't know, if you are buying your Bentley, that one I saw, brand new, you'll pay like 200,000 pounds. 300,000 pounds. No, these are not cheap cars. I'm not talking about Toyota Camry. I'm talking about Bentley. <laughs> but I told him simply, I said, don't worry about it. I said, if I want, and I wasn't joking, and I'm not joking. I don't want one, by the way. I don't, so I'm not. I'm, but I said, if, if it's, a, it's an if matter. I said, I'll ask the Lord for one, and he'll send one. But I will not change my direction in life because of it. No, and that's the key. That's the key. That's where I'm going. I will not change my direction in life because of it. If God says I will not give preachers Bentleys, forget it. I won't say no for that reason. No, 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 no. What am I going to emphasize here? Listen. Each thing you produce in life has value. So the fact that a man is worth $10 billion is because the world decided to value what is producing in dollars. And they have refused to value each message I preach in dollars. But that's their problem. It doesn't concern me. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Each book I release, each time somebody clicks it and reads it and his life is transformed, God says, if I give you the value of that in dollars, but we can't monetize it, it's not the rule. I hope you're getting my point. We are not allowed to calculate it based on how much more something is going from the stock exchange. No, we are not allowed to. We are not allowed to. For that reason, I'm emphasizing to you, I will not say because somebody is rich and God knows, okay, let me give you a comment as well, and then I will drop what I'm doing. To me, this is more valuable than producing cement. Yes? It's more valuable than being a Mark Zuckerberg. To me, I was trying to emphasize to you, so relax. Let God open your own door for you at the right time. You know, that's what I'm trying to make. It's not everything you jump into. I went to preach somewhere one day. I was just making, you know, the way I talk. Say, people, you know, they want to kill themselves because of cryptocurrency. You're you, you planning to be poor. One young man, at the end of the day, he met me. He said, sir. He said, he just told the story of my life there. He said, I lost 10 million. I looked at him and said, this boy, you mean you have seen 10 million error before? He didn't look like it to me. He said, that's how much money I lost doing this crypto business. I said, because somebody told that there's quick money. I said, it does not exist. It does not exist. What am I going to emphasize? So sometimes we get distracted. People try and call us away. That's what, you know, that's what I went to do that. They want to call us away. Your name is Jesus Christ. You are there teaching. Your brother, your brothers and your mother will come. Try to call you away. It is crucial you remain on the path of God for your life. 
How do we do it? How do we do it? That's, you know, that's the point I was making. You can't do it with determination. I hope you're getting my point. Determination will fail you. How do you do it? It is simple. Then said I. I can assure you of one thing. Anytime Jesus knelt down to pray, the Bible tells us something. He said, in the days of his flesh, he offered up much prayer with, uh, with crying to him that was able to save him from death. And it was, it was what? It was heard because he feared. All right, listen to this. Now, what does that tell you? He said, to him who was able to save him from death, he offered up prayers with tears. And how are you saved from death? The wages of sin is what? Is death. What am I trying to say? How did Jesus resist temptation? It's clear. It's true prayer. That's why he said to us, draw near to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That time of need is not when I'm hungry or when I need money. That time of need is when I'm being tempted to disobey God. That time of need is when God says, enter the promised land and I see giants. And I'm being tempted to turn back and not, you know, and run away from there and not enter as God has commanded. That is the time of need. Jesus faced it also. He faced temptations the way you face temptations. He faced temptations the way I face temptations. Every day, not just once in a while, regularly. How did he overcome them? The same way he overcame in the garden. I hope you are getting my point. The same way he overcame in the garden. How did he overcome in the garden? He got on his knees. And he prayed because the greatest temptation he faced was that one. To walk away from that destiny. To walk away from that plan of God for his life. It was the greatest temptation he faced. I know what they call temptation. I will tell you. Because he had the power to command 12 legions to come and deliver him. Every moment he was on that cross, he had the power to say is enough. I don't know whether you are getting my point. So to refuse to terminate that process... To refuse, it requires strength. How does the strength come? Through prayer. And that's what Paul was explaining to us. That he was heard because he feared. It was prayer. And that's why he told us to also what? Draw near to that same throne. How did Jesus do it? He kept on saying the same thing. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not determination, but what he said. Are you hearing my point? See, don't worry about whether you're strong or you're not strong. Just say the right things in prayer. I hope you're getting my point. Hey, let me just drop this example. They're a young woman. You know, some men are very tempting. They're very handsome. And they're very rich. And they come to church small. Now, the ones that don't come at all, they are not serious temptations. But it's not even they come to church small. But in, heart, in your heart, you know this guy? He doesn't love God at all. He loves you more than he loves Jesus Christ. And listen, if you want a man who loves you more than he loves Jesus Christ, two of you are going to hellfire. So just leave that. Marry a man that loves Jesus more than he loves you. You are safer. I hope you are getting my point. Don't feel like you should be the greatest person in any man's life. No. Jesus must be greater than you in that man's life. Now, this point I'm making. Let me not forget what I'm going to emphasize. So the young woman was falling in love seriously with this man. The man is begging. You know, every time he shows up, he has a ring in it. He's not joking. You say yes. In the next six weeks, he has completed initial ceremonies. <laughs> you know the truth? Humanly speaking, you can't resist. Young woman listening to me from wherever, it is not hard. 
Human need is hard, though. But you know how you're supposed to do it? Get on your knees. Just quote one scripture. In fact, two, two. One, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Second one, be not unequally yoked with an unbeliever. I know you like this man, you want to marry him. Go ahead and marry him. I hope you're getting my point. You're not getting me? Okay, you misunderstood me. In your heart, you have agreed. In your heart, you are planning to go ahead. Do you follow my point? But then before you go, enter the garden and utter those two scriptures. Say, Lord, let's assume his name is Abel Cain. All right? Just look for his name. Mr. Abel Cain. Brother Abel Cain or Mr. Abel Cain. I love him very much and he wants to marry me and I'm planning to marry him. But, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. As it is written, be not unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Now, listen to me. Your mind has not changed, though. You still are going to, are you, getting, it's coming to, are you planning to tell him yes? But just pray this prayer one hour, three times. How do I know one hour, three times? That's what Jesus did. Could you not tell it with me for how long? One hour. So you to stay there. Just say, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, let me tell you what will happen. This is the word of God. It will happen what I'm about to say. The man will run away. So what if he doesn't run away? When he comes, you won't like him again. If you pray these prayers I've said, one of these two things is guaranteed to happen. You know why? You know angels are real. So, some of them, angels will just come, just go, you know, just go to one unknown government house. No unknown government. Angels know where all of them. They are all known to angels. So angels will go to the house of one and borrow a gun. And go to the man's house, cock it. So if I see any angel's house again, I will shoot you. And when you see an angel promising to shoot you, he's not joking. The man will delete your number, block you. He'll block you on Facebook, on YouTube. Can he block you on YouTube? I don't know. <laughs> it will block you everywhere. It will block you everywhere. And you won't know why. This his love was not real. If an angel brings a gun, your own love too won't be real. <laughs> I know what I'm telling you. God either works on him or he comes to work on you. Sometimes he says, no, let me do it on this side. He just comes to your house. Drop something in your heart. Next time you see him, I hope you know feelings can be dropped like spiritual substance. Go and read your Bible. When the evil spirit was warring, I'm not. When an evil spirit entered him, he looked at his own sister that he loved so much just now and hated her more than he loved her before. God does that. But my emphasis is on how we handle this. It's not about our feeling. No, no, just get on your knees and say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You're about to change from one profession to another. Maybe you feel called to ministry. And pressure is upon your heart. Where am I going to get money from? How am I going to handle my financial issues going forward? Get on your knees. Everybody rise to your feet. And pray, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's what it means when they say, then said I. It is what you say. That's what keeps you on the path of the plan of God for your life. It is what you say. It is what you say. It's not what you determine. It is what? I didn't hear you. Say it now. Then say that. Begin to say it. Begin to say it. Because each person, there's a decision you are supposed to make concerning your life.
there is a decision you are supposed to make. Say to the Lord, then said I, behold, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, thy law is within my heart. Then said I, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It's an important prayer. It's an important, you see, that's what Christians are supposed to spend their energy praying. Like I said, your needs, you dismiss them in prayer. But when you are going to tarry in prayer, is to say to God, I am not doing anything with my life apart from serving you. Just say it to him. It's not how you feel. It's what you say. It is what you say. That is what we spend time on in prayer. It's a daily thing. In the morning you wake up and say, Lord, today nevertheless not my will but yours be done. Oh, temptations will come trying to pull you in different directions. Listen, it's not every time you need to hear a voice. Just get on your knees and pray. And say, I come in the volume of the book. Some things are written of me. I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Yes, what is my will? The thing that I desire to do. What is my will? The things I'm being tempted to do. But what am I saying? Not my will. But yours be done. That's how Christians pray. That is how you pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's how you put yourself on the pursuit of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. By saying, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done.